I'm Thomas with Believe in the Run. This is Robbie with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And you're listening to The Drop, our weekly podcast about all things running. And we're going to get into it this week. I'm not even going to tell you much about the show because by this time, you should have been listening to us for a while. And if you haven't, I'm glad you're here. If you have, don't forget to tell friends to come and listen to the show too. But enough about me pitching the show. Let's get into it. Robbie, what do we got this week? Well, this week, I have a mustache. I'm revealing it on the show, but we haven't revealed it in real life yet. I have to say, I had mixed emotions when I first saw it. It came in and I was like, Robbie looks totally different. But then I was like, this thing's majestic. I'm going going for Coach Bennett vibes. Have you ever seen a bald eagle like up close? Uh, Yeah, I actually, yeah. I felt like your face said freedom. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's been weird uh, because I haven't shaved in, I literally can't remember, two years maybe. Mainly because I'm lazy. What was that picture we had where we did the Faster Bastards run and you had no hair on your face? That was like five, five, six years ago. That was insane. I looked at it. I was like, (laughs) baby Robbie. Anyways, yeah. So this morning I shaved and apparently I'm like 13 and forgot how to shave. So I cut myself about 10 times. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) what'd you do? What'd you do with all the blood? Well, I just, you know, went through a lot of toilet paper, tiny toilet paper patches. (laughs) You know, it would have been great. I I would love a different option for that. I think if you had had a nurse with you and she yeah. could have collected your blood, and then you could have sent it into Inside Tracker. There you go. Don't put that to waste. Yeah. I mean, by the time we get to Inside Tracker for them to take your blood, you're <laughs> going to be out of blood. Yeah. I might, uh, I might be I'm a, hem- a hemophiliac. Is that the word? Anyways, whether you're a hemophiliac or a normal person, send your stuff to Inside Tracker, get analyze get your blood analyzed recommendations for nutrition and training and all that good stuff and you can save 25 percent by using believe just go to insidetracker.com slash believe yeah and and the 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 thing is robbie if you're not careful you're going to be the first person they test who has no blood oh yeah they'll be like driving they have to change their whole system (laughs) just leave an arm just get get some skin cells off there Ah, we're getting weird yeah, Anyway, use that URL to get 25% off the, all their products, which is insidetracker.com. Believe. Check it out today. All right. So this was a big weekend for you, Thomas. Tell us about the marathon. Okay. I mean, hmm. It was. He's already, yeah, he's already, already breaking already up. Already for <laughs> uh, Yeah. I mean, it, I can't. I mean, I, I guess maybe I'll just read what I wrote right after it in the car, but I'll I'll tell you about the start. So I had everything going for me going into this marathon. I had a really good, strong training block. I had uh, good coaching. I had great nutrition from uh, Featherstone Nutrition. You basically have a better setup than most. Pro athletes, yeah. I had (laughs) everything going for me. And I just, mentally I was in a good place. Um, I I really felt strong going into this marathon. I, you know, when I was thinking about what I'd be able to do, I wasn't thinking about how bad it would go. I was thinking about how good it would go. Like I was thinking. Well, you were looking to BQ, right? Uh, it wasn't sure. even about the BQ. It was more like I wanted to uh, beat my 320 uh, um, uh, PR. Uh, my last marathon right before this one was the NCR. I ran at 326, but I wasn't even paying attention to pace. I was just kind of like cruising and just trying to have an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, now I'm trying, now I'm training, I'm doing the workout. And I'm like, it, the BQ would have been a, you know, nice topper on it, but really I just wanted to beat my previous my, my PR. And I, I was like, I'm getting older. I want to, I want to do this and do it at this stage in my life. And so I got up there and everything seemed like it was aligned for that. And, uh, the day went sideways. And I think, I think the hardest thing is we talk to athletes who are shorter distance runners and they have a bad race or something. They reload. And a week later, two weeks later, they've got another shot. Like I know that I don't have another shot until the wine glass glass. or something in the fall. Yeah. And, and the thing is when you have, a failure like this, I know that it, for me, it's very hard to shake off the pre-race jitters. Like I know I'll be standing at the line at wine glass. And it's like, you've kind of had mental stuff before. Yeah. And it's just haunting. Well, and, and that's the thing I went into this one going, let's work on my toughness. You know, maybe that's the, 
missing ingredient. You did some rocky drills beforehand, ran yeah, up some steps, exactly. slapped some pigs. <laughs> I feel like it's worth noting that this race was not a typical race. There, The start line was you walk up to it and you press your go on your watch and you start running. There, yeah, there was no anthem. There, there was no gun. There was no crowd. There's nothing. It, it was, was a, it was an arch with a timing mat. In the the trail itself was like gravel, right? It was, it was gravel, sandy, yeah. crushed and, stone, and always at like a little bit of a <sighs> like angle and stuff. But you know, I, I want to give excuse, but I, I think some people ran great that day. Sure, so, yeah, you know, whatever. Clearly. But when I finished, uh, first off, I don't normally get cramping. I don't normally get that. I totally hydrated before it. I totally did everything you're supposed to do: salt tabs, everything. Had a Martin uh, every half an hour. Stopped at every water station, which was a mile and a half apart. So I don't know why this happened, yeah. but my legs just cramped up and, and my quads, which I've never like had. Like what mile? Like I started feeling it before the 13.1. Are you serious? Yeah. You're cramping like halfway through. <laughs> and um, that's insane. You know, I, I started feeling that, you know, it just felt like fatigue in the legs. They were getting real heavy. And then it started. Did they feel like cement weird. from the start? Yeah, I mean, two miles in, I was like, oh, yeah. I, I was thinking, I'll shake this loose. Here's that mental toughness thing. Just just go through it. And, and I will say, you know, I'll, I'll read you what my immediate afterthoughts were. But it, in my feeling about, like, toughness, because I was like, maybe I'm not being tough enough. I was like, finishing this race, the one thing I will take out of this is that I, I, I was, I mentally tough this one out i mean you finished it which is crazy yeah so um yeah read your little read right. your uh, recap so what i what i wrote afterwards i said uh maybe the most dis first off this was marathon 32 so the title was marathon 32 the worst and then i said uh maybe the most disappointing race i've ever had i have no excuses i have a coach a nutritionist the gear i had a pacer and chris perfect weather conditions, and all the support in the world. I wasn't thinking would I be cute. I was thinking by how much. After the race, I collapsed, legs trashed. Mentally, I was destroyed, humbled, and crushed. Once I was back in the car, I lost it. I had a complete meltdown. Tears, the whole works. I had the best training cycle I've ever had. I felt the fittest going into this race I have ever felt before any marathon. I gave it everything I had. I don't know what to say. The sport can be cruel. Yeah. But I mean, that sums it up. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I fought for you, man. Like that's, I think the thing with the marathon is you put in so much work for so long for one day and then it's like, yeah. and everything has to align to have a good day. Yeah. Like it, you had to get through that whole thing without an injury. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have you, to have great weather. You have to have yeah. the I mean, right. I know you didn't get great sleep that week. Like, yeah, that's the only know. thing. And, you know, I, I'm going to get my blood test. Luckily, we have the partner inside tracker and I'm going to see there's a possibility that normally, like last time I got my blood tested, my iron levels were fine. But she even said going up to altitude a week before may have actually really hurt the situation. But, she didn't tell us before the race. Yeah. She told us after. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I don't know what the excuse is, but I will tell you this. Like, um, I had an unusual upbringing childhood and normally things don't get to me too much because i had to my coping mechanism was to to just move past stuff and get past and i, I megan how long have we been together six or seven years yeah like seven years and how many times have you ever seen me uh cry or or lose it in that time i don't think i've ever seen you in the state you were after oh, the marathon wow. yeah i i don't recall being this crushed in since like childhood. I've never, I was in the, in the car and I felt lonelier than I have ever felt in a, in a long time, just because I just, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I felt just like helpless mm. in, in the moment. And I, I know this is just a marathon and believe me, I've moved past it where, you know, four or five days and I'm like, I love running. I love 
the whole thing. I'm ready to move forward. But at that moment, you know, it was everything I had been working for, for, you know, months. And it actually started before months, like, uh, over last year when we were doing the time trials and I was getting my marathon times down, I just had a PR in the half, right. half marathon at the woodlands. Everything was on an uptrend. I, the marathon is probably the most important event to me. So taking all of that, I was like PR in the half, getting my workouts done. Great. We're going to get there. We're going to have a great run. So I just, I, it was a blow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say because I feel like it just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? I feel like uh, this is an old reference, but Susan Lucci going up for the Emmy for daytime television. And I think she was nominated like 27 times and lost every time. <laughs> but uh, the uh, it, it just it feels like the always a bridesmaid kind of thing where I have these I have good training. I can run. I can I can do stuff. And. You know, it was weird when we were in Colorado. I was like blaming the altitude, mm -hmm. but like I was like dying out there. And, you know, we were doing the runs and I was like, I just don't feel strong. And I was mm -hmm. like, eh, it's time travel. It's the stress of working with a client, working with the, all the stuff the, that we had to do. And I was like, you know, it's just that. Yeah. So I didn't, Man. you know, I didn't, I was like, I'll taper this week. I'll get sleep. I'll get, get to the run. But like, Normally, I have an excuse. You get to the line, you have an injury. Right. You have Everyone has an excuse. 70 <laughs> yeah, 70 degree weather. And I think that's the hardest thing about this one. Why it hurt so bad was like, I was like, I don't have anything to blame. I just couldn't complete the task. And it, you know, and, and I don't want to say, I, I still finished, you know, everybody, it's relative. And I, yeah. I, I you know, for me, finishing it at 340 was a disaster. Right, because it's uh, almost like a minute slower per mile than you were hoping yeah, for. It, it is. I ended up with eight twenty nine. I was training for to do a seven thirty, seven thirty five. Yeah. Um, so it's not that I felt like it. it I I want to make sure because I know that people get upset. Yeah, because like, like people who run three who yeah, died to run at three forty. Yeah, right. And and I get that. It's just for my training and what I was aiming for. Uh, it this was a disappointment for me. Yeah. But, but, you know, let, that was my thing and, and I'm happy, uh, you know, I got a lot of positive support on Strava and, uh, you know, I wasn't really asking for support. I put that post up there because I wanted to capture exactly what I was feeling at that moment. Yeah. And it was no, good because good. It, it is, it fades every day and I feel, you you'll know, get, dude, you'll get like, especially you change hot in the summertime, you have a fall marathon. Yeah, I know. That's but the best. The, the yeah. worst part is like, it was taking the will out of me to reload for the marathon. Well, like, I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure in that day you <laughs> yeah. didn't had no interest in <laughs> training another 16 on an, weeks on an upside, e even to show that I really didn't have an excuse. Megan went out there and ran the half and ended up getting a PR and yeah. second place. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Megan, <laughs> let's really? get, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just heard Thomas give a freaking sad tale of whoa. Yeah, here's the <laughs> like, thing though. I am waiting for that race day where everything clicks and it feels effortless, and you run a PR. Okay, and that wasn't that was not that that was not it at all. So it was just one of those things you ran a PR. Yeah. Okay. And I hate it. She's greedy. It. So greedy. Yeah. Like she wants to enjoy it. <laughs> I do. I love running and I love training and. I understand that the race is going to hurt at some point. It always does. But I feel like there should be some effortless flying miles in there. And maybe it was the fact that the start line was super weird. Maybe it was the gravelly trash road that we were running on. Maybe. I don't know. I can think of a lot of excuses, unlike Thomas. Wait, I so you thought it was hard like It was hard for you to run for the, for the half marathon? Yeah. Oh, like the whole thing? Um... Yeah, mm. it's pretty uncomfortable the whole time. I don't, the, the only thing it was high humidity. I don't know why it was such a shitty course, but. I also, so the girl who won was in my wave and she was about 15 to 20 seconds ahead of me the whole, for the first half. And I, in my mind, was going to turn around and crush her. Mm. And the opposite happened. Mm. She, we, we did the turnaround and she didn't really crush she, you. She, she won by a minute. Yeah. A minute and 30 seconds. 
Um, so she she gained like a full minute yeah. in the back half, and but it was mostly because I slowed down uh, versus her speeding up. But, okay, so, so I think that positive, that a positive split. Yeah, not by a ton, but by. Yeah, okay. If you want to see positive splits, look at my straw. <laughs> but yeah, I wore the Alpha Fly, which I still love. I don't think there was a right shoe to wear on that gravel uh, trail, but you know, I do wonder if. Maybe a lightweight, fast trail shoe would have been a better choice. Like a for a, for a half marathon. There was for for any of it. It was the gravel. I don't know if it's one of those ones where if it rained, the gravel would seem firm, and it was just loose enough that you you probably lost a little bit of power out of every stride. Oh, you definitely did. As soon as you hit the asphalt after the gravel, it was like, oh, here are my legs. Weird. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're pushing up against sandy surfaces or something, it feels like, even when we were in Colorado, yeah, those trails were a little bit, you know, shifty, and you would feel that. Man, well, I mean, I, it's pretty awesome though, that you got a PR. Yeah, so I I have to celebrate that, I suppose. What was the pace? Uh, six eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, here was a, it was it was awesome because. Not only may you know Gavin, our friend Gavin, and Megan ran St. Michael's half marathon. By the way, every time Megan runs a race, she places and gets a, a thing in the mail. But um, we we ran with Gavin, and, and Megan won that race for the women three years ago. Three years ago, and mm-hmm. Gavin uh, did he come in second for men? Mm-hmm. Second for men, and he ran the time that Megan ran for this marathon for this half marathon. Oh wow! And we I remember Megan being like. He's so fast. I'll never, I'll never be that fast. <laughs> it was, it was interesting to see that perspective because he posted about it, like, "Hey, I did this three years ago." And when I look back at that, I'm like, "Oh, I could never be that fast." Yeah, that's. So I have to think about that perspective. That and you would have, you at that pace, you could have been second place male. <laughs> yeah, right. At, at that. Race. So in three more years, you'll be running five forties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> along with Robbie. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that mustache is at least worth two minutes on every mile. Oh, well, I'm more aerodynamic now that I shave my face. Hundred percent. Well, that's actually like a, a wing on your lips. It's like it is. a spoiler. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like Noah Jotty has so much drag with that hair and the huge mustache. He he probably would have won the marathon project. Would have cut that off. Oh yeah. Do you ever think about that? Like Jordan Hesse, or like someone who has like really long hair. It has to create some sort of like drag slash. Well, it's extra weight. It's just like your shoe. Yeah. You're trying to get your shoes down to the lightest, most cu- the lightest weight with the most cushion. It, if you have a pound of hair on your head, I mean, if I was a chick, I would, I would just shave my head. No, but like we're putting it in braids or a ponytail, or it's not like still extra so weight. weight. I feel like there needs there you needs to like be a, more science done on the hair stuff. You got like a forty pound head by the time you're done the race. <laughs> yeah. I think you guys are focusing on the wrong thing here. May as well wear a motorcycle helmet while you're running. Oh, I agree with Robbie. You won't. Da- you like, won't do it. Like Daft Punk running a, <laughs> a marathon. Oh, that, that's the thing. There was a guy here who had like thick dreadlocks. And I always was like, that's, that's got to weigh a ton on, on yeah, there. And I'm for just sure. like, yeah, I give him extra credit for being as fast as he was because he had like extra, extra weight on him. Yeah, I mean, that's going to, it matters. Yep. Anyways. Uh, what about you, Robbie? You didn't race. Well, I feel like I don't, I'm not going to go too in depth into my week because, you know, we've been at this for a little while. What did I do? I don't you ran know. more. I've been running more. And you've been running in, in like the Saucony, so mm-hmm. you're having some fun because I know you love the speed. Yeah, it's endorphin speed, still my favorite shoe. Ran eight miles on Saturday in it. A couple more this week. And it's probably exactly the same as it's oh, I didn't tell so I wore one on each shoe, like foot. Oh, you did for a whole day to see how they compared. And I like running totally the same. But then I was like doing my errand runs and I was at the grocery store and like the hardware store and everyone's like looking at me. Yeah. Like, like a, a weirdo. A weirdo. It wasn't the mustache. I didn't have the mustache yet. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in Highland Town and everyone looks like a weirdo. So yeah. I'm like, why are you looking at me? Like, look in the mirror. But They're very different, though. Like, one's checkered and one's white. bright white. <laughs> bright white with neon, neon laces. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but 
I just had to tell them I was a shoe reviewer and they're like, oh, I understand now. <laughs> you may have heard, you may have seen me on Believe in the Run. Yeah. You know, handed out our business cards. Yeah. What? So did you notice a difference? No, there's absolutely the same thing. Yeah. There's right. literally no difference. Yeah. Maybe the upper's a tiny bit different, but if you put a blindfold on and you ran an either endorphin, you would you would not be able to tell. Ooh. You should know we what? Do that? Yeah. You should. I'll lease Thomas will lease you up. That's you'll lease that's, Thomas up. That actually is a good idea. It'll be like this thing at the weddings when they do the garter, but with an endorphin. What we could do is we could we blindfold make and hold my hand you choose what shoe to put on my foot and then i'll run like to the end of the block and i have to tell you at the end which shoe. now you can't even do the trick where you put one shoe on one foot and one shoe on the other foot right you got to do like and if i can guess dude there's no way you'll be able to guess that would be incredible because i don't even know that you'd be able to guess for like the clifton Probably definitely not the Clifton. Probably. No, but the Clifton is also a minor update shoe. But if you gave me a Nike Pegasus 36 versus a Nike Pegasus. Yeah, you could tell. Yeah, 37 versus 38 yeah. even. Yeah. yeah. All right. So first check-in this week. Man, what should it be about? After you've heard my sob story, one thing that I did learn from this marathon was that I do love running I, and I love it when it works out for me and I love it when it doesn't work out for me. So just be glad you're out there, you're able to get this run in and you're able to get some exercise, some fresh air and just feel that sweat. Robbie, let's talk about real quick. I know we're going to cover it more in the podcast, so we don't need to get totally in depth here. But uh, one of the shoes that we published a review of this week was the Solomon Ultra Glide. We got a chance to go out in Colorado and run in it. Um, I'll keep mine real short. I really like the shoe. Uh, I'm not in a ton of trail running shoes that often, but I, I'm definitely, this summer when I go out and uh, hit those overhills, which I plan on doing, um, I'm gonna, this, this will probably be the shoe. Yeah, I mean, I actually, the shoe that I have was like half size too big, so my, it didn't really work on the run that we did with Solomon and Courtney DeWalter. We, I got the women's size that fit me like perfectly. Yeah. You transferred out of the one that didn't work. Yeah. And then I really enjoyed it. Um, as opposed to the traditional Solomon shoe that was more narrow. This one has a little bit more room. They'll talk, we'll yeah, talk we'll about that in a second, details. but I like, I liked it and I actually need to get them to send me another yeah, pair. I was so gonna I, can, ask, <laughs> I was going to ask if you're going to get an, for pair. sure. Cause I, I, I would really, like to run in that pretty much as my standard trail shoe because it has just the right of stack and cushion for me without being too soft the feet feel good in it yeah it's a nice like it really is a nice shoe um so anyways megan what'd you what'd you think yeah i don't run a ton of trails but i could tell just from the step in that it usually when i put on a trail shoe i'm like oh this is uncomfortable but it's really comfortable and it, it reminded me a bit of the Hoka Challenger ATR, which is like the only trail shoe that I really like. I think Taylor said that too. So yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. I mean the most, I think we mentioned one thing that someone was like, what's the most cushioned um, Hoka and it's the Mafate. That's the one. Yeah. I would say the Challenger Mafate. I, I, yeah. I think it's a little close. The Challenger is like a Clifton. Right. And, and so it's like the Clifton the with tread. Mafate yeah. is a Bondi. Yeah. So gotcha. I, I think, in general, I think it just has a really nice feel underfoot. Yeah, and I mean, look, Courtney DeWalter, Max King, all those athletes, if they're running in it for hundreds of miles, like, yeah, they're sponsored by Solomon, but okay. it's like that's the shoe they're going for. It's probably a good shoe. Courtney seems pretty no BS. Yeah, I mean, she's like, she, she's an elite athlete. She's going to get what she wants, and she had a lot of input into that. Yeah. The shoe actually comes out August 1st uh, for $140, which I believe originally it was supposed to be July. But, you know, everything's pushed everything's back pushed these in. days. So, yeah, so it should be nice for those fall trail trail runs, trail races. Yeah, so listen up. Here we go with Mike Ambrose, the PLM project product line manager for Trail for Solomon and Courtney DeWalter, all around running badass. So this is awesome. We've got Courtney DeWalter and Mike Ambrose from Solomon. Yeah. 
<laughs> Super stoked to have him here. Uh, we actually got to go on a little bit of a trail run earlier today, so that was fun. Dude, <laughs> fun. Yeah. Yeah, my lungs are never recovering from that. Yeah. I mean, coming from Baltimore and going straight up into the Colorado Springs thin air was a little, little, little tough. Yeah. You guys did great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 You don't <laughs> have to say that just because they were on a no. podcast. <laughs> my favorite thing was that Courtney. They paid me for that. Yeah. Cor- Courtney was like actually very gracious and, and I don't feel like she pushed the pace on anybody or. Like you were very nice. To, like I would turn around, she's back there talking to people, and I'm like, <laughs> I was expecting like her to be like a hundred yards done, waiting for us with the sandwich at the end. No. <laughs> Race you to the cookies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did have lollipops, which were pretty nice little treat at the end. Yeah. Tootsie pops. Great treat. What's your favorite Tootsie pop? What's your the favorite maroon color wrapper? Okay. That's Raspberry. A good one. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite treat? Like sweet overall. Jelly beans. Jelly beans. Like jelly bellies or just yeah. okay. But any jelly beans will do. I know you love to eat sweets and snacks on the run, so I was trying to get your favorite pick. Yeah, yeah. the fruity ones. So jelly beans, Mike and Ike's, gummy worms, just yeah. getting the vitamins. Basically, like if you went to a movie theater, like that's All the box is there. Yeah. Okay. But the, but the real reason we're out here <laughs> <laughs> is to talk about the Ultra Glide, which is a new shoe from Solomon that we got to try out. Mike Ambrose is the PLM for you. That's the product line manager of Trail. Is that, am I saying it correct, Mike? Yes, exactly. Product line manager at Trail Running. So yeah, like let's talk about a little bit about that shoe since that's what we're here, out here for. So to, earlier this morning in Colorado Springs, what was what, Palmer Park? We did a short little trail run with Solomon. Uh, they had sample pairs of the Solomon Ultra Glide, which is a little bit of a departure from like your typical Solomon shoe, uh, more of a cush, more of a cushion trail shoe. So like if Mike, if you just want to talk about a little bit what Solomon's thoughts were behind the shoe and like what went into that. Yeah, for sure. So it's a really, really exciting shoe for us. We've never really played in the soft comfort world. And, you know, to go back to how it all really came about, we, we started with the runner and we know that more and more runners want soft comfort under their feet, whether it's just for daily running or to do an ultra like Courtney, for example. So we, we knew we had to bring a soft shoe into the market. And yeah, that's exactly what the goal of the shoe was. And, and we, we think we executed it. So just really nice, soft, plush ride that, that's smooth and works on a variety of trails. All right. To get into the nerdy parts, we're talking about a six millimeter drop. Yeah. Was there any like what, where do you come up like when you take a look at this shoe and you're trying to develop a shoe? Are you talking to Courtney? Are you talking to your athletes and trying to figure it out? Or are you going with another method to determine like what the drop's going to be, how much cushion, what the durometer of the midsole is going to be, and how the upper fits? Yeah, it really depends on, on the shoe and on the project. Uh, so for Ultra Glide, we, we really talk to the markets very holistically. Um, and we talk to, to trail runners, you know, elite trail runners like Courtney, or you know, just people getting into the sport. We talk to the markets. We talk to dealers. We talk to you know, shoe reviewers. Um, so we really asked a lot of different, different people questions and, and we came to what we think is a, is a winning recipe. Of course, there's things like, you know, durometer and certain stability and features like stack height that you have to, you kind of have to go to, but yeah, we think we have a nice recipe and it really just came from talking to, to runners. Is there a big difference between like runners and preferences depending on like even country? Like, you know, if you're talking about Europe, cause Solomon's big in Europe. Uh, and I would say typically like your shoes were firmer. Mm-hmm. I'd say built for fast, you know, easy, um, quick turnover, that kind of thing was what was prized by the runners. And then you come over to the U.S. where there's a lot. I don't know what's different about the runner, but I get the feeling that people want comfort. They want to go further, longer and have a softer ride during that. Is is that something that has been difficult for Solomon to navigate like the different regions? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, in Europe, the trails tend to be a little bit steeper and more technical. I mean, I'm being very general here, um, okay. specifically in our backyard in the Alps. That's, that's the way it is. So having a firmer shoe, a more narrow sh- shoe, a more precise shoe is, is just better because that's the playground that we, you know, we get to play in every day. But yeah, you come out here to the American West, it's, it's much less technical. It's drier. It's a little bit smoother. So yeah, it's just um, different needs. But it, what we're finding now more than ever is that comfort is pretty, pretty universal. And, and now it's even in Europe where we're seeing more and more um, maximal cushion, softer shoes. So it's, yeah, it's really, it's, it's working out great for us now to, to bring the shoe to life. So I know, Courtney, like you've obviously been running in the shoe and uh, been part of the feedback process. Can you talk about kind of how you worked in helping them with the shoe and also how that shoe like fits into your rotation? Yeah. So um, 
it's Mike's brainchild. And he was like, we got to make this shoe happen. And I was super psyched because I like running pretty far. and uh, <laughs> That's kind of an understatement. <laughs> so having extra cushion is always great and uh, very welcome for me. Um, so I was pumped when I got to, you know, be part of the process. And I think like five or six months ago, I got my first pair of them. And since then, I've probably gotten like two versions as they just tweaked little things. Um, and yeah, could always just shoot them a text or an email. It's real open process of like here's how I'm feeling about it here's what's working and not working um as for my rotation right now they're like I'm just so excited about them so they're basically the ones that are right by the door that I put on every day so wait so this might be your favorite Solomon currently it's been super fun to play in um yeah I'm just excited to have a little bit different option available so with that, you have other athletes, obviously, other than Courtney testing out this shoe. Do you have some of the European athletes and the people in those other trains trying the shoe out and seeing if they like it? Yeah, absolutely. So this was a this was a really big project for us globally. So we made sure that we had a full full spectrum of testing. So in the U.S., it was mainly Courtney and Max King uh, really putting the shoe through its through its paces. And then in Europe, we've had some of our European athletes just yeah give it a give it a go. And it's really exciting because this shoe actually is facilitating the development of other shoes and we're going to expand this this type of product in the range so yeah super exciting to see i really can't go into it but where this where this technology goes so nice you already know too much yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like yeah this is all old news to us no big deal yeah. i mean <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit so we both robbie and i ran in the shoe uh this morning and we took it out to garden of the gods yesterday it it is a, a really well-cushioned shoe. It's not what I expect from Solomon uh, in fit either. It's a little bit wider in the toe box oh, yeah, for sure. than um, I think people would be used to from a Solomon shoe and maybe people who rode off Solomon shoes for either being too firm or too narrow uh, in the foot. They they might have a different experience this shoe. Can you talk a little bit about the fit, maybe the last that you use for this shoe? Yeah, for sure. So to kind of to kind of back up a little bit, um, I've been around trail running for a pretty long time and with Solomon for a really long time. And I got really frustrated hearing people say, oh, I love Solomon, but I can't wear your shoes. And that was really, it was really frustrating for me because Solomon was how I got into trail running. It's what the brand that inspired me. And I feel a big responsibility to grow the sport and, and inspire and, and enable people out there. So I wanted to make sure that Solomon had a shoe for everyone. And a big limiting factor was just the fit. And like you said, like being a little bit more narrow uh, historically. So for this product, we use a higher volume last. It's actually coming from our road running products. So what that does is it just makes, basically gives you a little bit more room in the toe box and uh, throughout the whole whole length of the foot, really. Really, so even like on the throat, it's not just a wider toe box. You even widen it out in the throat. Yeah, so really around the ball girth is where we, we notice a little bit more width. Um, and then to make sure it's not a sloppy fit. So if you don't have a wide foot, for example, uh, we have sensitive fit wings that we put in on, on the shoe on the sides, lateral medial side to help hold the foot back. And then also our endo fit internally uh, to help lock the foot in. So you don't really need, you don't need to have a wide foot to fit in this. I mean, it's, it's really, really inclusive. So yeah, my narrow foot seemed to do all right in it today. The, um, you talked about the ball fit. And that was a new term that I had ball learned girth. today. Yeah. Ball girth. That's basically, we're talking about the area around the bunion, right? Yeah. All right. And that's where we, we notice um, in ultra specifically where the foot will swell um, if it does swell. Did you have anything to do with that part, Courtney? No, have you ever, have you ever used bunion on this podcast? The word uh, bunion? Probably have. Yeah. Maybe probably funions because yeah. it's a delicious <laughs> snack, but maybe not bunion. I think we probably have. Used we probably have. I, mean, I think it plagues more runners than we know. Yeah. 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 I do have a narrow foot, low volume foot. So I was a little bit worried when anybody starts talking about a wider shoe or even I, the foot shape shoes yeah. like it does start to make me worry because especially when you're going around like today we were going over some like hummus like rock and the shoe grips really well and you can tell when your foot's going to slip or slide around it i thought it did a pretty good job on my narrow foot of keeping me sturdy yeah i feel like um like some shoes uh say like maybe topo athletic like i do there's a reason that they have the wide toe box and stuff with the toe splay but depending like you said on turns and stuff you can slide around but i feel like this had a very nice balance of like just enough room to give you some space but like you can still take turns nicely and the grip on it um it's not super aggressive like i almost feel like this would be a good road to trail shoe or if you are on those trails out in like california where it's a little more like clay 
and and road like. I was a little actually worried when we were running today that it wouldn't give enough grip. It seemed to do all right on everything. I, did yeah. you find it? Yeah, I thought it was great. And Courtney, you you're running on more training than like obviously we just did this Colorado runs <laughs> and this. Um, are you having any issues with the shoe that you're hoping will get worked on, or is this pretty much dialed in the way you like it? I think it's great for the purpose that it's serving. It's it's going to be awesome for so many different trails. And um, I've been trying to just keep putting miles on it to see, you know, how long do they last? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a good point. Ask about the mileage. Yeah, so how many – oh, yeah, as far as mileage, well, first, Courtney, how many miles have you put on your pairs? And then also, Mike, like what's the expected mileage for the shoe? So because I've just been getting d- – different versions probably the most i put on one of the prototypes i was using was somewhere between 100 and 200 miles and it wasn't breaking down at all yeah um yeah so i'm excited now to have like kind of the finalized version to just start playing yeah <laughs> and and what what have you seen as far as like duration yeah max king's actually been the best at this um he has about 500 miles on a pair on one and pair? they look yeah oh, one wow. pair and they look really really pretty pretty damn good Nice. Um, there's the minimal outsole wear and the, and the midsole is intact and it's not collapsing. It's, I mean, a little bit wrinkled, uh, but it's, it's in great shape. And the, the outsole is completely rubber. Yep. Is there, uh, when we're seeing more exposed foam and more shoes, it, what's the thought process behind putting a rubber? Cause I know that you're sacrificing weight yeah. when you have that much rubber. Uh, and the shoe does actually feel pretty lightweight. What is it? Yeah, I know you don't know the ounces, but you know the grams. It's 260 grams for men and 220 for women. So it's fairly light. Yeah. That's just, that's just under 10 or around just 10? under nine. I think. Yeah. Just under nine. Okay, nine yeah. Sorry. yeah. 280 is 10. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we, we went full rubber just because we didn't want to compromise grip and we're saving a ton of weight with the midsole. So the midsole is where all that weight, um, is, is being saved. Essentially. It's really soft, lightweight, bouncy foam. Um, so we, we, wanted to make sure that it's still a Solomon shoe. It's still going to grip on everything and still, still a technical shoe. And it has to be nice. And it's a new phone. Yeah. It, it's like an EVA with infused. Yeah. So it's our energy surge foam, uh, which is an infused EVA. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, I kind of want to transition a little bit to, you know, obviously Courtney, you're going to be wearing the shoe a lot this year. Maybe can we get a preview as to like where we'll see the shoe? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know yet. I, uh, um, I'm excited for some of our, uh, big mountains, big rocky mountains to melt out, so I can play with it on that and just see compared to some of the other options if it would be a like Hard Rock 100 shoe or not. Okay. Um, so yeah. What would be your other options for Hard Rock? Uh, the S Lab Ultra. Okay, cool. Um, so I did want to ask you like, there's a couple things that we wanted to ask you about, just like in ultras in general. Um, so one thing that I always intrigued me was and, and I actually thought about this last night because I couldn't get any sleep <laughs> was that when you're up for so long I remember hearing a story one time where you were like on the trail it was like late in an ultra and you were just like let me sleep for like a minute and then but you woke up and thought you had like yeah it was a total reset <laughs> I was 100% refreshed after it it was insane and it, but what, how long were you out um so that was I was in a 240 mile race and that was probably around um, 200-ish miles. And uh, I had started getting really sleepy on the trail and um, was, like, falling asleep as I was running. So we just decided to try it. And I laid down right on the trail, told my pacer to time it for a minute. And uh, when he woke me, I thought he had tricked me or he had <laughs> fallen asleep himself. I was like, man, we're racing. You can't let me sleep for so long. <laughs> But you were only out for a one minute? It had minute? been one minute, yeah. That's insane. But you felt like totally recharged. Fully refreshed after. And then I think it was a combination. So I was fully refreshed and recharged, but also we were so excited it had worked. So then we were like <laughs> yes. hooping and hollering down the trail like, a one minute nap worked. It's so cool. <laughs> have you, so along those lines, have you ever done any, like had Sleep studies or no, like had like studies done? Like, no. Because you do such extreme distances. Like has anyone approached you about no. that ever? With like wires all on yeah. your head and stuff. No, <laughs> I've never like, done this that. Is insane. <laughs> okay, uh, it could be cool. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious about the sleeping bit because I love these really long ones and just like where the efficiency, you know, where does like it how, meet? Do, how you could fine tune it? Yeah, yeah, and like how much sleep do you need to keep running 
as fast as you can. You know, where's the line? Yeah. So it's fun to play with. It's just another puzzle piece. What, what have you found to be like the solution so far? Or is I that really, like an inside yeah. trick that you yeah, don't want to give away? I can't tell you that. No. <laughs> She's winning races outright. <laughs> no, just, I haven't figured it out. I thought I had it. Like that one minute nap worked so well. So then the next 200 mile race I tried, I was going to just do the one minute nap again. And it was failing me oh, really? every you know time. Like seven minute abs. <laughs> well, yeah i'll do eight minute ads <laughs> yeah. if you don't like it i'll throw in the extra minute oh, okay. um so in so after you do like an ultra say like uh the 240 or big's backyard or anything like that uh like what do you do afterwards what? like sleep <laughs> i've always wondered it takes longer than a minute sleep but do you like do you probably stay up for a little while afterwards yeah i mean for sure some beer at the finish line and then uh, like nachos or something savory usually sounds good. Um, and actually, the first night after, I sleep like garbage. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Because your body's probably just like... Everything's just amped up and my brain is like still going crazy. And usually there's just a lot of throbbing. Like your legs and feet hurt yeah. so bad that there's no way to rest. Yeah. Um, so usually it'll be like another night of staying awake and then I'll crash then two nights later. And sleep finally. Wow. How big of a role does Advil play in your life? Uh, you, you zero. Do, you don't really? do anything. Yeah, I don't really do it. Yeah, if I'm if I'm sore or hurting, I like to feel that so that I can like notice things and pay attention to them. So Makes sense. I don't want to numb it. Yeah, because then you don't know like what's going wrong. Like, right. You want to know what's going wrong yeah. in the moment. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I did like. One of the other things that's always intrigued me is in races like Big's Backyard Ultra, where if, if nobody knows, it's a race put on by Laz Lake, who does the like Barkley marathons. He's a madman. Um, <laughs> at least to me, he is I don't know. And he seems nuts. Yeah, but it's a the idea of that race is like it's a you do a four point one something mile loop every hour on the hour, yep. and uh, if you finish at thirty minutes, forty minutes, whatever, you rest until the next. So it starts again. What's the psychology of that? Like, like when it's getting down to like two or three runners, like what do you, did you just keep doing what you're doing or do you have to like, like, what do you, what do you do? Because in other ultras, how do you convince yourself to go back out? Is that what you Well, that, but no, but in other ultra races, you would be way back. ahead of people or way behind someone. But here you just lined up against the same competitors. Yeah. So like what, how do you, it's pretty cool that? because for me, that one feels less like a race. Like, that one's set up in this really cool way to see what's possible. So you're doing four miles an hour, resting with whatever time in between those four miles. And if you don't make the cutoff or you just quit, you know, you're out and it goes until there's one left. Um, so it's set up perfectly to see what humans can do. And so this past year, it came down to Harvey, Lewis and I. and. Yeah. We were in it, just the two of us, for 100 miles about. Um, but neither one of us was trying to, like, get the other to drop. We were trying to keep oh, each other wow, in. interesting, yeah. Because it's this teamwork and you're effort. against the Belgians, right? Yeah. Is it the Belgians? <laughs> but it's like, we need more people to stay in. So it becomes this really, like, you're a team. You're encouraging each other. Crews are helping each other with, like, oh, you need duct tape. We have duct tape. You know, like, everyone wants masses to stay in as long as possible because that makes the odds of getting past Further. 300 miles yeah. much better do you think 300 comes next year yeah for sure yeah yeah so harvey that was the kind of one of the interesting stories about the whole thing was here he is running with you for a long time and i remember when he dropped out first off have you built like a friendship with him now that is like to this day like special or was it just like hey we're gonna help each other through this race and it's over no harvey and i have known each other a few years now he does 24-hour races as well and um we've been in big backyard together before so uh we were already friends and we were i was very excited to be with him as the last person because he's just such a good dude and has this great energy about him um so i don't know i think uh what was, your, what was your question? My, my question was, did, did it bond you? But it sounds like oh, you already we had a already bond with were, him. Yeah. And the second one would be like, when he dropped out, did it, was it like losing a little bit of the wind in your sail? Or was it like, okay, I'm going to... 
Yeah, like, did you want to keep going for 300? Like, were you going to get it? Were you going to get it? Well, who knows what can happen, but for sure I wasn't, like, thinking we'd be done anytime soon. Yeah. Um, And he dropped in a a weird way where we started a loop, and he went out, like, a quarter mile and then called it and turned around. So I was ahead of him on this loop already. So I didn't know until I got back that he was done. Wow. Um, But otherwise, on the loop, for sure, I would have been bumming. I know a couple years ago when I was the one who dropped and Johan Steen was on his last loop by himself, he said it was the worst lap of the race. Oh, wow. Because you just are like, (laughs) this is a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, what am I doing out here? (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I find, like, people like Harvey, I mean, he's, like, 45. He's he's a school teacher as well, right? Yeah. 46. Anyways, but, like, it's, like, so inspiring to see someone who's, Michael Wardian, same thing, like, 45, 46, like, running these insane distances and like do you like so what's your plan <laughs> going? like but she's still pretty you, young yeah i know you're like you're 36 yes 30, and so you're just is it just keep doing it so i can do, like that's yeah just keep doing as long as it's fun and my body's allowing it i'm gonna ride this train as far as i can i think you should challenge tom green's like 100 because he's done 100 mile marathons five decades in a row oh wow which that's cool is insane but i mean i'm sure you'll get there yeah (laughs) (laughs) if Um, i'm lucky all right second check-in and i'm gonna go with another thing i learned in this marathon that you know when things aren't going your way there's things that you can do to try to push through and i used a couple different techniques i tried the kipchoge smile I tried picking off stuff in the distance. I tried setting up, you know, to the next water stop. Let's try this effort. You know, I pulled out all the stops. So if you're struggling right now in your run, or even if you're not struggling, maybe pick out some landmarks, pick out something that you can, you know, point to, to get you to through this next mile. Maybe try picking up the pace. Maybe see how your body responds. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask about. You're Nordic skiing. Um, and do you still, uh, do that? Yeah, I do it for fun. I haven't raced, uh, Nordic skiing since college, but, um, I love it. It's so great. I was lucky to grow up in Minnesota where in the winter, they, <laughs> yeah, it's also from Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. The guy on um, the motorcycle too. Yeah. <laughs> where they groom like every golf course and local park in the whole twin cities area in the winter. And so. Every high school team has a Nordic ski team. Like, um, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool place to grow up and have that sport be so available. Do you think that went a long way in helping you with, like, the stamina and endurance, like, for ultras later on? I mean, for sure, it's a great full body and like engine building sport. So it had to have helped somehow. I also had a really fantastic uh, Nordic ski coach in high school who was all about like the pain cave kind of thing uh. and finding that next gear. And so having that be instilled so early on, like you can do more than what feels comfortable, um, I think pays off. What's your like, absolute, like what's the absolute worst? Like what is, how far does your pain cave go? Cause it seems like it goes pretty far. And I'm like, it goes pretty like far. when, when, when has there been a time when you're like, that's just like, was too, like that was couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, I don't think that that's how I, categorize it okay so like how do you categorize how how would you categorize your pain cave levels do you have a smiley chart (laughs) no i think you just go in and then you try and go as far back as you can in it would you unless unless it was an injury yeah ever in a limit yeah i mean she um, was blind i know yeah (laughs) yeah like like uh what's his name ron burgundy (laughs) (laughs) uh so during a race i um did have an injury flare up and before that race I think I questioned myself on if I would be smart enough ever to pull it and step out of the pain cave if I needed to mm-hmm. and when that injury flared and it was like here's the facts of the situation this isn't fixable and it's not good to keep running on it then we did pull the plug and dropped out of the race yeah um so I think injury stuff you have to definitely be aware of but if it's just discomfort I think that pain cave runs real deep 
do you rely on your crew to figure out like when it's time to call it quits or do you trust yourself? Cause you just said if you're smart enough, but you've got people around you, you've got, you know, people trying to help you. Do you listen to them or do you just mainly you're your main consult? I think I'm my main consult, but they're super valuable. And like, I try to explain to them, you know, cause they don't know when I say it's like, shooting pain down my whole means. leg and I can't walk on it. Like, where are we then? Um, and so I'll bounce those ideas off of them just to, like, you know, gauge health things sometimes. So having a crew is huge, and often, like, it's the same crew, so they know me pretty well at this point. And uh, they'll be able to look at my face when I come into an aid station, and we don't even have to say anything. They'll know, like, how deep into the cave I am. But it, that doesn't mean we stop, yeah. you know? They'll just, like, have an understanding of how to help me better. So psychologically, when you're lining up at the start of a race and getting ready to run one of these ultras, which, you know, obviously you're not thinking about the finish line the minute you start because it's no. too far off in yeah. the future. <laughs> or Big's Backyard where it's just kind of like, I'm hoping to get to a certain number yeah. of miles. Is, is there still a nervousness or are you like, is this playful to you? Like, I'm just going to see what I can do today. Like, what's going through your mind? Uh, it's a nervous excitedness. Yeah. I think... Um, Excited to play, but nervous of like, what's the thing that I didn't predict would happen and can I handle it? Because there's always some unknown like, wrench that's thrown in your day when you're out there for a whole day or two days or whatever. And so that's usually what has me be like a little nervous, but also I think that's part of the fun of it is it's this puzzle that we get to try and solve every time. Like along those lines, um, so... This is like the lamest story ever, but I, I've only run one fifty miler. But <laughs> but I remember when I ran that, and this is like kind of any race once you start going up distances, is like I was it was going fine, whatever, like mile fifteen, I'm like, Oh crap, I have like thirty five miles to go, which like before the fastest or the longest I run was a fifty K and it's like you can kinda of comprehend it, it's a marathon, whatever. And it's like are there any distances in your mind that you like cannot comprehend right now? Like that, but that you would like, but that you would She's like, not gonna tell you that. but that you would like, but that you would like to do. Like you're like I like I could do that, but I can't like wrap my head around it quite fully. Ah, uh, I mean, doing like the full PCT or the full AT, those mm. are, I mean, over a thousand miles, and yeah. the way you approach those is pretty crazy. So. Um, but they're on my list for sure eventually oh, really? to just check them out. What just, a cool way to see. Yeah. Like, would you would awesome. like FKT attempt of them? I don't know. It would depend on like when it fit in the, like maybe it's when I'm just older and want to yeah. tour. Do some. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott Jurek, because when he did the FKT on the Appalachian Trail, which has been broken twice now, I think. But I think that was like towards the end like his competitive. Of his, yeah, after he was done with his Western States wins and everything else. So, like, and, I mean, he set a ridiculous time on the AT. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, uphill, though, you know. Uphill. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I mean, that'd be awesome. If you did do the AT, uh, you'll, you'll get plenty of company out there. I'm well, sure tons of people come out to the trail. On the run today, I was... I was giving you a little advice, no big deal. I was yeah. Like, yeah. Thank you for that. If you're out there, uh, you just know that it's basically rocks, softball-sized yeah. rocks through all of Maryland and Pennsylvania. <laughs> so I know the secret. Prepare your ankles yeah. to be broken. <laughs> Sounds uh, fun. Yeah, but I think yeah, both of those, like you said, just insanely long distances. Yeah, um, those are cool. Yeah. Have you ever done anything aside from like a 240 race or – Anything that's been like a week, like a a week or two, like long, long distance, like thousand miles or anything? No, okay. the, I attempted the Colorado Trail this right, past summer, right. which is five hundred if you make it all the way, um, but I did not. So it was a, a good dipping my toe into long stuff. Though. Yeah, was that like a dust thing? Was it like the air? I'm not sure. Um, dust, yeah. Just a lot of miles, and maybe something was stewing in there already. Okay, yeah. Because it was instantly, like, I started the run, and that whole first day, I remember telling my husband, like, my lungs just aren't waking up Weird. on this. Yeah, I was like, everything else is clicking. I feel, you know, really good, but my lungs are, like, being lazy right now. And uh, I thought they would kick into gear 
as they learned that this is what we were doing. Yeah. But it just got worse. <laughs> it's so, just like, nah, we, don't, we want yeah. no part of this. So I don't know if there was something in there already that was angry, but yeah, yeah it was really cool. Did you get, how many, did you go three days into that? How? Um, I don't, honestly, I don't remember the days at this point. Okay. We made it 305 miles. Yeah. So I more mean, than three days. I gotta sure. say, it was still cool following along. Well, <laughs> and by the way, Solomon did a good job of like posting about it and stuff like that. So that was cool. Well, thanks for following. Yeah, for sure. It was fun to be out there. Um, yeah, I mean, any any race, like, <laughs> it's always funny, like trail races, when you're trying to follow them. Like, the, the like, Barkley Marathons is basically a Twitter account of some right. random guy. I'm like, <laughs> how is this the thing? <laughs> like, or like, refresh, uh, refresh. <laughs> yeah. I've, when we talked to Dylan Bowman, that was like the thing that I think is the biggest opening in trail running right now is like there's the technology. We could put stuff on trees. We could do updates. There could be mats out there. There could be stuff that you could actually follow along with it. And there's so much story, especially if you're running like 100 miles. Yeah. We could hear the entire backstory uh, of the athlete and the people doing it, not just the top athletes, the people that are nuts that are out there doing it. Because I think it's great. You do it pretty quickly. And so it's not as impressive as somebody doing it. It takes, you know, five days to get the same distance done. (laughs) But, you know, that guy's out there. And I want to know his story. Like, what's going on? And I really think there's a huge opening for that kind of coverage in the sport. Well, now that Iron Man and UTMB are locked up, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Cocodona just did. So it was a 250-mile race in Arizona, one of Aravipas. And they just had a live stream going for, like, three days of this 250 mile race down there yeah they did a really cool job yeah you were pacing right i was pacing but they had drones with shots that could be brought into the live stream a studio people running like aid stations it was really awesome Who, who's the race director that the race director is steven yeah do you know his last name no okay um yeah sorry gotcha. but Can- candace birch does she do the Moab? She, yep, hers are the destination trail races. So Moab, Tahoe, and Bigfoot. Gotcha. Okay. And you, have you done all of those or just Moab? I've done Moab and Tahoe. Okay. Right, right, right. Cool. Awesome. All right. So what's up next for you? Uh, Hard Rock 100 this summer. And other than that, we'll kind of see what happens. Who do you think is going to be your top competition for Hard Rock? Do you know who's the field right now? Yeah, we know the field. I think everyone in it you never know is maggie running it she's not she'll oh, okay. be pacing me hopefully oh nice that's yeah. awesome that'll be fun cool well thank you again so much for like coming on the podcast and yeah for, thank you for leading the run today it was a really good well, time i actually think it was even better she didn't lead it she yeah, like, supported. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> like it was a cool thing like, i was being dusted in the back <laughs> it was it, no it was actually a weird experience because normally you kind of have like this is the course we're gonna run and today it was like you guys want to go left or right Left or right, <laughs> there's a lot of left and right. So we kind of found our way through it, but I, I, I thought it was really enjoyable. And obviously Colorado Springs, if you get a chance to come out here and run, I would definitely call Courtney and make sure that she'll run with you because yeah, it, it, it was awesome. She's very nice. She'll, she'll come, she'll eat a sandwich with you. It's good. And also, obviously, thanks for Mike. Um, thanks, guys. And just, yeah, everything you've done with the Ultra Glide, I think it's going to be a – Pretty successful yeah. shoot for y'all. It'll be interesting. We'll probably chime in a little bit on stuff, but we'll probably let our trail reviewers uh, actually handle most of the heavy lifting on this one. One of them sitting behind me, but he's not on camera. Yeah. A fellow Minnesotan. Yeah, fellow Minnesotan. And, uh, <laughs> you know, even though we got this great opportunity, we will be uh, as, uh, what, what do we call it, fair and honest as possible on the review. So... Uh, but so, so far we'll, after the cameras are off, we'll rip it to shreds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just right. No, it's actually a great shoe. I enjoyed running in it quite a bit. Um, I would give a better review of it if I had spent more time on trails, but this is probably my first, uh, trails yeah, in like wow. a year. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was just glad to survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I thank you. that pain cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Three miles in Thomas was the whole way into the pain cave. That's perfect. You just start somewhere and yeah. start digging. Yeah. It was, no, it was a great, it was a great time. But anyways, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank and, you uh, guys. Thank you. Hopefully we get to do it again. All right. Final check-in. You're probably feeling it right now. You're ready for this run to be over. Maybe you've got a long way to go before it's over. But you know that if you keep pushing one foot in front of the other, you'll get to your goal. And sometimes that's all you need to do is 
finish. All right, guys. I am thinking you probably enjoyed our conversation with Mike Ambrose and Courtney DeWalter. I know that we were psyched and it was an amazing experience for us to go out to Colorado and get to run the trails with them and experience a shoe launch with them. And we are very thankful to Solomon for having us as guests out there. Also want to say thank our producer, Nick Sanchez, and the rest of the team. Meg, who do you want to thank? I always want to thank our listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in every week. If you are enjoying this, please recommend it to a friend or uh, send us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And we and we know that only a few people make it this far into the podcast. So you want to say hi to your mom, Meg? Hi, mom. Hi. Oh, my mic's not on. My mic wasn't on. Hi, mom. <laughs> All right. And get ready to see uh, Robbie's mustache make its debut on our endorphin uh, video review and probably some of our stuff announcing grit. Yeah. So it's pretty epic. You're going to want to tune in. 